This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 61. I didn't even have to look. Didn't even have to look. Go, Jake. Congratulations. Go, me. Episode 61. Woohoo. Hey, how's it going, Mr. Uh, Dorinda, over there in Australia land? I'm going well. A little bit disappointed with the weather at the moment. It was, uh, it was very warm earlier in the week, and now it has been raining for the last two or three days. So I, We are having similar weather patterns, my yeah. friend. You're a little bit colder over there, but uh, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. it's been pretty wild over there. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So I've been waiting to open my pool because the weather has to be, you know, not freezing. Yeah. And by not freezing, I mean like literally not freezing, like not below zero degrees Celsius, mm-hmm. which is freezing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I gotcha. Aren't you oh, proud gotcha. of me for knowing that? Yeah. <laughs> Fahrenheit's such a jacked up system. Okay. Anyway, yeah, it was like beautiful this week. It was like 70 degrees and now it's supposed to like snow this weekend. And so every time, so like if the temperature just went like at a, at a, like a consistent gradient up, Mm -hmm. I could have opened the pool like, you know, last month, but no, it goes like 70, 28, 65, 32. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it just, you know, it's all over the place. Anyway, yeah, still waiting to open the pool. Uh, Sorry to hear about your bad luck with the weather though. Uh, In other news, Ladies and gents, I did get to meet Michael's dog today. <laughs> Don't tell me his name. I'm going to remember. Sheldon. Yeah. Is that inspired by Big Bang? Theory? It is. Yeah, yeah. We didn't realize nice. when we named him that he was going to wind up as smart and simultaneously as dumb as he did. <laughs> <laughs> We all know those people, don't we? Yeah, those people who are like and who are like incredibly intellectually smart, but uh, extremely socially awkward and unaware. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We all know those people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man. Speaking of socially unaware, I'm just kidding. I have no transition for this. <laughs> I think we should start with the news before you get us in trouble. I think so. I think so. Let's do it. All right. So we've got some updates that we wanted to start with. So let's go right to what everybody wants to hear about, which is Laravel updates. So Laravel 5.6.16, why don't we start there? Yeah. What's at the top of the list, my friend? What do we got there? So the very first thing we have is that you can now, when you call a console command, you would typically use a name to execute it. So you would have something like report colon daily or send colon email or something like that, right, as a string. Now, commands have class support. So instead of saying in your application or or wherever, artisan colon colon call report colon daily, you can now pass it a fully qualified class name to the command itself and execute it that way. So that makes things a little bit easier to reason about you can see you know in your import statements at the top of the at the top of the class that you're calling it in exactly what the dependencies of that class are so just a bit easier to to work with in terms of you know readability and and you know approachability when you come back to it in six months or a year you don't have to go and look at that string and then figure out well which class is this in Um, and things like that so that's that's a handy change we've seen that across the framework and a few other places as well in the last few releases so it's nice to have that level of consistency across the board 
I do agree. And I've actually, I've wanted to use this. Uh, and so I'm glad somebody else did the work of getting it in there. It is a huge pain when you have to go back and be like, report daily. Which command is that? Uh, I can't remember. So you have to like do a, you know, find, report daily. And then you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that cost. Yeah. So it's just an extra step that you don't have to take anymore. Yeah. And I generally find that when I write the class names, I don't call it a report daily command. I would call it something like a daily report command. So command would always be the suffix of whatever the thing is. And you often find yourself reversing the name. Or I always seem to find myself reversing the name of the class compared to the the command string itself. I always like namespace my commands so that they kind of all fall together. So since I work for a company called Wilbur, we I on a lot of them, I'll just have like Wilbur colon and whatever so that they all go to the end of the list. And that way also for like auto completing stuff, I know that if I want to look at any of the commands that I've done, I can do Wilbur colon and then tab and it will complete for me, like show me the options that I have for that, which is handy if I'm running it from the terminal. In scheduler, consequently, you also have this this, uh, support. So if you're going into console kernel.php and you're looking through scheduler, uh, you can use this class support as well, where you can just inject the class uh, instead of using the string that you've defined for it. So like you said, consistency across the board is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we have another item that is now macroable as well. The view is now macroable, which means you can define custom methods via service provider, uh, just like a lot of the other services that ship with Laravel. So you can look at that by reading the source code of the macroable trait in 5.6 if you don't know what that is or if you've never learned that before. In addition, we have an I am. So I trying to remember what that stands for it's a amazon uh web services thing identity and access management there we go that's what i meant to say identity and access management so this is essentially like where you can set up um your users that you want to define in aws and then you can attach multiple policies to those uh users this allows you to kind of manage your credentials better so one of the things that has been a problem previously it looks like is that if you're using ses which is a simple email service if you're using the ses driver for email and laravel you couldn't previously set an aws session token in the configuration which was apparently a problem because if you're using an i am role to send an email it will fail with an invalid session token error. And I believe I've had this problem. So there's a couple different ways that you can get credentials for sending simple emails like SES from AWS. You can go straight to the SES service and you can like define a set of credentials right in there. But if you want to generate a policy that attaches to a I am user, I've never been able to get it to work. So I've always just had to resort to using, you know, using the credentials that I get created from SES, but that's a pain because I don't want to have like multiple sets of keys and secrets from AWS in my uh, ENVs. I just want to have one set that allows me to access any of the buckets that I need and any of the email that I need, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah. So this is a welcome addition. Now you can use IAM user credentials to send through your email. Looks like that's what I'm getting from this may or may not be the absolute complete truth. Don't take it to the bank. But that's <laughs> what it sort of reads like to me. Cool. Yeah, definitely check out the uh, the the post on Laravel dash news forward slash Laravel dash five dash six dash sixteen and uh, check out the release notes for more information as well. Absolutely. Okay. What else we got? Composer. Composer updated this week and it had a security fix. So we are up to Composer one dot six dot four. 
Uh, hopefully all of your servers are automatically running Composer Update at nighttime, which they are if they are a Forge provisioned box. They mm -hmm. will automatically run Composer Update for you every evening. Uh, if you don't have that in place, I would highly suggest you go through and update Composer in any of your um, any of your you know servers that have it on there. What was the security fix that we're dealing with here? Uh, security fixes in some edge case scenarios recommended update, but it doesn't actually say what they are. Uh, we don't actually know what was fixed other than security fixes, quote unquote, in some edge case scenarios, a recommended update for all users. So I'm sure you could, I'm sure we could go through the release page on GitHub and figure out what exactly it was, but then we'd be breaking our rule again of trying to read code or explain code on air <laughs> and it never works. It just never works. Yeah. So we're just going to take their word for it, that this is a uh, an important update that you need to do. So the best way to do that is just to log into the box or log on to your machine, get into the terminal and composer self dash update. That will get mm -hmm. you the latest version and you should be all set. So yeah. pretty simple, pretty simple fix there. Yeah. It's not only that security fix, but there's also about 200 issues that were merged that were fixed that were taken care of as part of this release i ran the self-update on my work macbook and i went from version 1.5.6 to 1.6.4 so obviously i'm not updating yeah, that yeah. often so no, me either um, me but either. yeah definitely if there's you know if there's no reason to update you don't have to update but if there's a security fix it's a good time to to run that command so as jake said composer self dash update all right what else we got we got bootstrap Talk to, me, talk to me about Bootstrap, Bootstrap 4.1. Yeah, so the Bootstrap team has released the first minor update to Bootstrap version 4. So they actually released some first-party themes last year, 10 of them last year, last month. And this version of Bootstrap 4 has some new utility classes, has some fixes and some documentation updates. So a lot of the work that's gone into Bootstrap Obviously, there's still very much a UI kit, so they provide predefined styles and layouts and, and colors and things like that. But they've also adopted a lot more of a utility approach where there are a whole series of different utility classes, not unlike other solutions like Tachyons or Tailwind. I don't know. Beard. Beard CSS. Beard CSS, yeah. So this has introduced some Flexbox styles, classes it's added some text color and font classes as well and some responsive utilities so if you are using bootstrap this should be a reasonably safe update if you're already on version 4 obviously and there's also a whole bunch of bootstrap themes so there's a marketplace that you can buy and sell premium bootstrap themes they're all built with bootstrap 4 and you have to go through an application process to become eligible to sell them. So it's not like a theme forest or one of those sites. These are, you know, vetted, approved sort of themes that are that are run by the, the Bootstrap team. So you can check those out if you're interested at themes.getbootstrap.com as well. Which is genius, I think, right? I mean, why would they not do it this way? It makes it makes way too much sense. There's so many of these like template selling services out there. Uh, it just makes sense that, I mean, so many people use Bootstrap. Why would they not like just put it on their site, take a chunk, a small chunk of the, uh, you know, the profits there. I mean, obviously they deserve them. They've, they're the ones who built Bootstrap and, uh, and obviously everybody's going to be going to Bootstrap to get the documentation anyway. Hopefully they see the themes and purchase them from there. And it looks like they're super solid themes too. You know, like you said, they're vetted by the Bootstrap team or created by the Bootstrap team. Mm -hmm. So they've got some really good ones on there. Yeah. Really nice. 
Yeah, so they've got dashboard themes, application themes, marketing themes, and a whole host of others. Uh, it looks like they range in price from $49 US, I assume, $39 US up to about $100. So there's a handful of them on there. Obviously, more people will uh, you know, take up selling themes here, and, and this should grow and, and uh, go from there. So definitely check it out if you're interested or if you're interested in becoming a premium theme seller. Check that out as well. Again, themes.getbootstrap.com. There you go. Speaking of sort of these utility classes, have you had a chance to, I know you have, I know you've worked with Tailwind a little bit. Have you mm-hmm. been able to use it in any sort of production stuff yet? Only the Laracon Australia website. Okay. Okay. Laracon Australia. Yeah. How was your experience? Did you, did you have to reference the documentation quite a bit? Um, not really. I think... A lot of it is very intuitive. A lot of it is, I think the class will be named this and often it is. I think that Adam and the, and his team that, that built Tailwind did a really good job of, you know, spending a lot of time thinking about what to name these things so that they are intuitive and so that they live sort of in little families of, of names. So, you know, that text affects text colors and fonts and things like that effect you know they all sort of map nicely to the css attributes that you already know yeah i do agree they've done a really good job naming these things and they aren't as terse maybe as some other utility style frameworks right so sometimes it's like background color is abbreviated it's bc right bc dash primary or bc dash blue or whatever right Whereas this would more favor more verbose naming structures like background color. Mm -hmm. Um, In any case, I feel like getting started with these, like after you've worked with it a little bit, yeah, those things sort of click and start to make sense. Like, oh, this is kind of like where I need to look for this. And depending on what sort of editor you're using, your editor may also do um, autocomplete for you on the class names that you're trying to use, which is really handy. PHP Storm does that for me. So that also makes it a lot easier to, to find. But Something that came out, I think this last week, is a Tailwind cheat sheet, and it's on nerdcave.com slash tailwind-cheat-sheet, and it was made by a Twitter user Nerdcave, and this thing has been awesome. I used it this week for a couple different things, and number one, I had previously been copying and pasting over my own like atomic style sheets. When I was talking to Adam and and uh, he pasted me over just like this little this little dist version of Tailwind and it's like mm-hmm. just throw this in your project you know and so I was like yeah yeah maybe I'll try that so I did and oh my word <laughs> it has just been incredible like the amount of productivity I have has just gone like as far as when it's relating to like CSS stuff and like custom CSS stuff that I'm doing I've just gone through the roof it fits so much better with the model of like how I typically tend to make these changes which yeah. is. I will kind of sketch it up in sketch and then I will start to implement it in the browser and I'm looking at it kind of as I'm developing it. And so what I'll usually do is open it in Chrome dev tools. And we've talked about this a little bit before, right? I'll increase margin yeah. move padding, like try some couple different Flexbox options and I kind of get it to where I want. And so what I can do now is I can essentially like take that listing of like the styles that I have on the element in Chrome dev tools and pretty much just map those over one-to-one with the tailwind utilities that I want to use. And I'm done. It's it. It works so fast. So it's been incredible. But the really nice thing I like about this cheat sheet is that if you don't have any idea what the class name might be called, you can just search by the property that's going to be changing. So you could say like font size, 
Or you could say, like, for example, like if you're doing justify content. Yeah, so like it's called uh, justify start, justify center, align items. Uh, yeah, so in that one, that one's a little bit different. So for instance, if you were looking for like align items and you were talking about like Flexbox align items, they're not named align-items-start or align-items-center. Mm -hmm. They're called items-center because align is used for vertical alignment in a text or I'm sorry, in an inline or table cell box, right? So like this is exactly one of those situations where you'd have to run to the documentation and figure out what is that? How do I get that property? This cheat sheet just makes it incredibly simple. It'll search either by the class name or by the property that it's changing. So big shout out to Nerd Cave for that. This has been hugely helpful for me. And mm. if you're using Tailwind or have any plans to use Tailwind, you should bookmark this site and reference it often. It's really good. Definitely. Okay. Uh, I think that's all we have for updates. The rest of our time is going to be spent, I think, on tutorials. We've got three or four here, and then we might even have some time to jump into uh, some community links. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh. All right, let's do it. What do we got? All right, well, the first one we've got here is a tutorial by everyone's favorite human, Paul Redmond. Amen. And he is sharing some Laravel route tips to help improve your routing. Now... If you've been using Laravel for any sort of medium to long period of time, a lot of these things will probably feel like common sense to you. But to anyone who is new to the framework, this is a good set of conventions that you can follow just to help, I guess, your application scale a little bit to be consistent. You'll find that between projects, it's much easier to follow along if you at least have some standard set of approaches to your routes file the routes file obviously is is a really important piece of every application because it defines all of the functionality and all of the endpoints into your application so as we've said previously we're not going to <laughs> we're going to steer clear of talking any code but <laughs> this blog post or this tutorial goes into talking a lot about using custom namespaces in your application to help group routes so by default everything is in the app http controllers namespace but there's nothing to say that you can't have an app http controllers admin or you know users or dashboard you know you can basically put whatever you want in that namespace so namespaces are a good way to group sets of routes together and it means that you don't have to put you know admin slash user controller or admin slash post controller in each of your use statements um, or each of the route definitions, it means you can just jump straight in and, and use users controller or use post controller because it's all within that already grouped admin namespace. So things like that. Uh, Jake, do you want to talk about some of the other options that are or some of the other things that Paul talks about in this post? Uh, yeah, it talks about some route macros and some of the things that you might be able to use the route macros for, such as having like a shop macros or a shop routes uh, macro on here, which uh, kind of has a prefix, uh, a middleware and a grouping already all set up for you so that you can say route shop routes and then just pass it all in uh so again we'll steer clear a little bit of of using uh code in our podcast here but there's some really interesting and clever ideas that paul has about this this is which is again it's just hard to distill uh, over the air but i'd highly suggest taking a look at the at the post uh one thing i will say if you don't know about this, this is incredibly helpful this is one of those things that you should know right off the bat, php artisan route colon list. 
gives you a listing of all of your routes in your console, including the domain, the method, the URI, the name, the action, and any middlewares that are applied to that route. If you're ever trying to debug a route, you cannot figure out for the life of you why it's not going to the correct one. This is a great way to just dump out that list and figure out what's going on. And uh, and or remember the naming of, uh, of the routes that you have already set up in your routes file. So yeah, some really good tips in there. I'd uh, suggest to take a look at it. Definitely. Onward and upward, my friend. Onward and upward. Using the Laravel optional helper and the new optional closure. Now, we've tried to discuss this previously. <laughs> And I think we're actually gonna. I think we're actually gonna make it happen this time. Yeah. We're gonna figure. We're gonna finally be able to explain it clearly enough that you might actually use it. So, Michael, I'm gonna pass this one off to you, and I'm gonna hope that you can explain it better than I did last time. Sure. So last week we had some difficulty seeing where you might use this. So Laravel provides this optional helper that helps to protect you against errors that you might get in your code where you're trying to get property of a non-object error. For example, you look for a user, so you use user colon colon find, you pass the ID. You can wrap that in the optional helper and then chain the arrow, for example, first name or username or email off of the optional helper and what Laravel will do is essentially avoid you getting that, that trying to get property of non-object error in your code. So that was how it used to work. Now you can optionally pass a second parameter that will be a, that is basically a closure that will pass the result of the first parameter in, and that way you know that you're always going to get a valid property or a valid object in that closure which means that you can do lookups using other parts of your application. For example, if you had a user and then you wanted to find their corresponding Twitter details, you could then call the, the Twitter API inside that closure, knowing that the closure would only ever be called if there was a user return. So you wouldn't have to worry about passing a null user into that Twitter API lookup. Yep. So he's, uh, Joseph Silber says, it's great for safety calling on a method on an object that could be null, but what if the method that you're trying to call is not on the actual object itself? That's a great way to describe it, right? So you're looking to see that it's not null, but then if it's not null, then you want to do this other thing. And that's what the second, passing the second parameter as a closure to the optional helper will do. So pretty cool, pretty cool. It talks about as well, when do you need the, the optional helper versus when can you use the null coalesce operator? So it says basically, if, you just, if you're just looking to define a default value, null coalesce is what you want to do, mm -hmm. right? You could make it happen kind of both ways if you really wanted to. But in the case where you're, all you're looking for is a default value, use null coalesce. That's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can use a combination of the two if you wanted to safely access a property on that object and should that return null, which the optional helper will do if the, the object is not defined, then you can do, you know, pass Good in point. like a NA on the on the right side of the null coalesce operator. So Yeah, yeah. That's um, a good point too, yeah. Super flexible whether you want to use the null coalesce or the optional or some combination of the two. Excellent point. Thank you, Mr. Dorinda. Uh, let's see what else do we have here? 20 Laravel eloquent tips and tricks. Hmm. Uh, before we go into this, uh, I will say that one of the best talks, there's there's actually two, two of the best talks I've ever seen on Eloquent. One of them was at Laracon 2017, I believe, in Louisville. 
16. Uh, Twenty sixteen. Was it sixteen? Yeah. Was it sixteen? Oh, of course. Yeah, because yeah. seventeen was last year. Duh, I'm an idiot. Twenty sixteen. Colin. What was his name? Colin, Colin DeCaro or something. Colin, Colin DeCaro. He had, he had a talk called called Keeping Eloquent Eloquent, and it was super good, super good. If you haven't watched that talk, just go Google it, check it out. Really, really good. The other one that I watched this year at Laracon Online 2018 was uh, by, actually, I'm going to let you, you introduce that one, Michael. I'll introduce who that, it. Who was that by? Who yeah, this was a talk by Canadian milk bagger, Jonathan Rennick. He, <laughs> <laughs> he spoke uh, again about some of the stuff that he does with Eloquent in his role and just basically looking to always write efficient queries. Sometimes you might reach for raw MySQL if you can't figure out how to use Eloquent directly. But Jonathan showed a lot of great ways to essentially use the underlying query builder and wrapping that up in, in Eloquent methods and scopes and things like that and, and help you write really efficient, really quick queries as well. So those two talks, which we'll link in the show notes, the Jonathan's one, I think you'll only have access to if you had already purchased a ticket to Laracon online this year. Colin DeCarlo's will certainly link up. So if you get a chance to see them, definitely check them out. But this post that we've got on Laravel News this week was written by Pavilis Kodop, who writes for the, I think the Laravel Daily or the Daily Laravel website. Let me um, see here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he's, yeah, he's shared with yep. us 20 Laravel eloquent tips and tricks. We won't go through all of them because it is 20 and there is lots of code involved, but he... He talks about some common things that you might do in your applications and then showing you how you might do them in a better way or a more efficient way or a quicker way or a shorthand way using native eloquent methods. So there's some really good stuff in here. Some of it may not be to your taste. There may be other ways of going about it. But overall, I think there's some really good tips in here. Do you have any that are that, that are uh, your like favorites from this list? I have a couple that I've looked at. One of them is the when method so Mm -hmm. you can optionally add on like different query scopes or or methods to like a an eloquent fluent chain by using when so if you use when and then you pass in a a boolean like a it's a truthy check truthiness check Mm -hmm. is that right truthiness is that the word yeah it's a that first that first variable provides a check and then after that you can pass a closure that accepts the the query that's currently happening as an as the uh, parameter and then you can modify that query within that return that from that closure and then it will continue to chain on after that so like one particular example that i had with this was i had this method that i was using to um return a bunch of points on on a map and I needed, I found out at some point down the road that I needed to be able to break that payload up into multiple chunks, but I only wanted to chunk it if I had like a config that I was passing in. Otherwise, I just wanted to return all of them. So in the method uh, that I was calling, I just had an extra parameter that was by default set to null. And in my eloquent chain, I can just say, hey, if the config is set, so if it's not null, go ahead and do this other stuff to this fluent chain. Otherwise, just continue on. So that's a really, really handy method. It saves you from having to do some bunch of nasty if-elses, yeah. Yeah, the when is also really handy in the example in the post for query filtering. Um, So if you want to do something by query string, you can check, you know, when when the request has a a filter method or, or a filter parameter, then 
do some kind of filter operation. So I've used the when method a lot. Also, there's a unless, which is the opposite. So do this unless some condition is true. So yeah, this, this was a really good post. There was another, I think I saw a tweet and I'll link it up in the show notes from uh, a guy called Yarek Tkacek. Nicely done. Which, which goes and, and looks at, at these 20 tips and he's been around the Laravel community for a long time and I always thought of him as someone who really, really knew Eloquent really well. And he's gone through each of these 20 tips and he's offered some thoughts on that as well. He also, I think over February and March, did like a 30 days with Eloquent hashtag thing on Twitter where he just posted some different tips on how you can clean up your Eloquent functionality, which um, we'll link up in the show notes as well. So definitely check those out. I think there's there's probably a whole lot of stuff that maybe because of how big the eloquent sort of active record implementation is, you might miss or might not know exists and things like that. So you'll be surprised how much you can get done using eloquent on its own in your applications. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thanks everyone for doing that. Very cool. Uh, I was just looking through the, the community links here. There's always crazy awesome stuff on on the community links. Uh, let's talk about some of these events that are going on. We've got Laravel Live UK. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so Laravel Live is an event that's happening in London on the 12th of June, 2018. It's a one-day conference, and it's brought to you by the team behind the Laravel London meetup. So it looks like their early bird tickets are all sold out already, but it looks like there are still tickets available for the conference so if you're in uh, the uk or it is convenient for you to get there looks like regular tickets will be available through the 16th of may for 100 pounds so obviously adjust for your local currency if you are interested in attending currently announced speakers matt stauffer from obviously the laravel community is well known lorna jane mitchell and alex bilby are the the three announced speakers at this stage i assume there will be more to come but it looks like it's going to be a deeply technical talk specifically on laravel and laravel's ecosystem so if if you're after some of the softer talks around you know working with people and things like that you might might give this one a miss but if you're looking for a for a technical laravel conference this might be one for you to check out awesome i also just saw in the community links that there's a laravel live portugal so um this actually happens every Friday at 9 p.m. It does not give the time zone, so I don't know exactly when it is. But you can also listen in as a, as a podcast format. But these um, this Laravel Live Portugal, they hang out every Friday at 9 o'clock p.m. on YouTube. So it's pretty cool. And they have a Slack channel as well. So if any of you are speaking Portuguese and are looking for a place to go listen to some content about Laravel or see some content about Laravel or chat with other people about Laravel in Portuguese. This sounds like a really cool option for you. Yeah. So definitely check that out. It is at laravel.pt. I think I have seen this streamed a couple of times before. I think I might have accidentally stumbled upon it once and I was about to bail on it because I don't speak Portuguese, unfortunately, and they were all speaking in their native language and then Taylor Otwell appeared. So nice. they've, had, they've had guests on there. Uh, Taylor's been on there. I'm, I'm, re- I'm sure it was this one. Taylor's been on there. Freik van der Herten's been there, Ian Landsman's been on there, um, Matt Stauffer's joined them as well. So and they, and they just jump on and they, they hang out and they, they talk for a bit. Um, so it's a it's another pretty cool approach to talk about Laravel and, and get in touch with your, with your community. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking through the community links, speaking of community, and it looks like there is some really good stuff out there this week. Really good stuff. TJ Miller shared one called Abstracting Request Keys where he shared a snippet with, I think, you and I on uh, on Telegram in, in one of the chats that we're in where he is essentially taking the keys that come from his from a post request, for example, and then he converts them to database field names. So where you might do a request merge or you might start changing the the request parameters, this essentially does it in a request macro where it takes each of the the keys from the incoming request and re, remaps them to something else. So the example in his blog post is where the incoming keys are gateway username and gateway password which get converted just to username and password and then they go through validation and then they can be dumped straight back into your your database. So it's handy for where your domain or sort of your customer facing or request facing keys don't necessarily map to your internal database structure one to one. It makes a really nice clean way to to handle that approach. Yeah, and it's all it's all off the request, so it looks super super clean. It's all just a fluent chain. So mm-hmm. he and he in this uh, particular example has account resource make, and then he has like account create inside that. And in order to do his create method, basically anytime you would need to, anytime you would call the create method on a model, what you'd be passing in is an array of the data that you want to set in that new model, right? So the way that he's doing that is instead of like validating the request up at the top. And then grabbing that input and then passing it in, he just right inside that create method says request, map keys, and then validate and passes in the list because validate now returns those values that have been validated Mm -hmm. if they are in fact validated correctly. So it's, it's like, it's all right there. One little chunk of code that does a whole crap ton of stuff and is super clean just because of a single macro that he's put on there. So I'm definitely going to have to use that. It looks really nice. Nice job, nice job, TJ. Way to go. Who knew? Who knew TJ knew so much about Laravel? I tell you, he does a lot of cool stuff. Like I'm just sitting there banging out random CRUD applications and he's doing all this cool stuff with like physical hardware that he's taking, like converting JSON APIs into XML responses for the physical hardware. And uh, I'm just just taking input and throwing it at the database. (laughs) I know, right? That's exactly my. That's exactly what I do too. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like in the crud camp, you know. And TJ is getting to work with all this physical hardware, so ah, uh, we need to get on the physical hardware bandwagon. Yeah, I'm gonna start messing with some of this stuff with Node, like TJ is. I think it's uh, looking pretty cool. I'm actually so uh, I'm gonna be working with Homebridge. Do you know Homebridge is? I'm not. No, I'm not familiar with so it. So you have like Apple. You have like on your iPhone. You have a app called Home. Yep, the HomeKit stuff. Which yeah. Is, the home kit. There you go. Home kit. But unfortunately, things like the Nest and a bunch of other things that integrate with smart things cannot be used with mm. your home kit stuff. So Homebridge is essentially a little node application that you can run on the home server that will help convert the calls that HomeKit would make into things that smart things can can uh, transmit. So it just has to it's just a little application that has to be running on a machine that's on your network and will handle converting all that stuff nice so yeah i'm gonna be messing with that so like a little bit of that uh physical you know sort of hardware thing with like the smart things which i'm excited about cool fun times i think we're out of things to talk about man i, I think, think we're so. done. out of yeah. time and out of content all right let's wrap it up
Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Laravel News Podcast, episode 61. If you liked this episode, you can find show notes for it at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 61. As always, we would really appreciate it if you gave us five stars in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and leave us some feedback. That'd be great. If you have any feedback you'd like to share not in a review form, you can do so by checking our Twitter accounts at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. And I think that is all. That is all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much again for listening. Yeah. We really appreciate hearing all the stuff that we get to hear back from users and listeners during the week, which isn't all that much. So be one of those people this week. Reach out to us and be like, hey, you guys said that wrong. Or, hey, that was really awesome. I'm glad you highlighted my post. Or, hey, next time, could you highlight this post instead? And we will gladly do our best to make sure we can do so. Accommodate your requests. Definitely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. All right, Michael, sign us off with something funny. Make me laugh. Something funny. (laughs) Always putting me on the spot. I've got nothing. I've got nothing, unfortunately. (laughs) But you had all those funny Canadian things that you were saying. I I was Googling things that Canadians do. And it's a a list of 10 things that Canadians do. The number one thing is have Thanksgiving in October, which, I mean, doesn't mean much to me as an Australian because we don't have Thanksgiving ever. Number two is line up for the bus, which I thought was a really strange thing. I mean, we line up for the bus. I just thought that's an interesting thing to point up, point out as a, a thing that a country would do. And then milk in a bag. Yeah, milk in a bag. Milk that's, in a bag. We put alcohol in our bags, and then we <laughs> and then we attach it to a hill's hoist. Do you know? It's a clothesline. It spins around in a circles, and we play <laughs> Gooner Fortune. Gooner Fortune. Goon of Fortune. So basically fortune. wine wine in a bag. You you call it box wine, but inside the box sure. there's a there's a bag. Yeah, it's a bag. Yeah. So we right, call right. that goon. And it's like cheap cask wine. It's and right, you, so right, you put right. it on the on the clothesline and you spin it around and then whoever it stops in front of drinks. There you go. That sounds like a that sounds like a bogan thing to do. It is a very bogan thing to do. <laughs> All right. Uh what do you call a man with no nose and no body? No idea. Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, that's it. All right. That's all. That's all. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. We will talk to you in two weeks. Bye. All.